0: Formula One is returning to the streets of Jeddah on Sunday. It is the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix for the second straight year. It was a race that was rather messy last season, won by Lewis Hamilton, but not without some really wild moments. This season, we've got so many talking points after what happened in Bahrain. This podcast will go over the five things to watch for for Sunday's Grand Prix. We'll do top five, bottom five from the season opener. Our thoughts and some of the news and notes hovering around the sport. Plus, we've got track talk where we'll go over the details of the circuit and, of course, tire strategy for Sunday. This is the Overtake Formula One podcast. I am Tony DeZeri. Thanks for listening. If you like what we've been doing, subscribe to the channel. If you're a first-time listener, thank you so much. Hope you like what we're doing and you'll subscribe as well. We've been really growing and we really do appreciate all of the support. Uh, The return of the Jeddah street circuit comes earlier than last year. In 2021, it was the penultimate race of the season, and it tightened up the championship between Hamilton and Max Verstappen. In fact, the whole atmosphere going into that weekend was all about the title fight. This is a tight, very fast street circuit. Drivers seemed to like it last season, but last year's Grand Prix had two restarts. It almost had a huge collision between the championship leaders when Hamilton almost ran into the back of Verstappen when Red Bull told Verstappen to concede the lead. However, that was then and this year is different. Mercedes has got a lot of work to do to get their car dialed in despite a 3-4 finish in the opener. And Red Bull with two DNFs in Bahrain due to fuel pump issues. Ferrari dominating fast. McLaren is not dominating fast. So let's get things started. Here's the five things to watch for on Sunday for the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. Number 1, Red Bull bounce back. Now, this is an easy one. Red Bull had both cars in the top four in Bahrain, only to see both of them fail to finish. It was devastating for the team, but Verstappen showed that he could get that car in the top spot of the field. Fuel pump issues and steering problems caused his day to end. Same thing with Sergio Perez. But the RB18 may not be that far behind as the season progresses. Christian Horner made a really good point this week that development is going to be pretty quick as races are Clicking off the calendar, more teams are going to start figuring out stuff with more and more data. And one of the things that we did see in the season opener was the fact that these cars allow for closer racing, overtaking. We saw Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen exchanging the leads for a while. It was quite a show. And then there was that one point where Verstappen locked up his wheels. Leclerc got ahead just enough. So that sort of ended that. But there was no question that despite some of the steering issues that Verstappen was complaining about on the radio, he had the second best car on the day. So it'll be interesting to see how this team does bounce back at Jeddah because they got no points in the season opener. The second thing to watch for Sunday and that is the circuit itself. Racing at Jeddah is very fast and very tight. Now we'll go over all of the specific details in our track talk segment, but how much of what we learned about the new circuit last year, how much of that will come into play this year with the new cars? That's one of the big questions. Now, they did do some reconfiguration of the circuit just a little bit. They widened one of the final turns um, heading into the stretch. But this still is a circuit that is fast and has a lot of high-speed corners. Now, the drivers did like it last season. Some said it was actually pretty fun. But remember, too, the atmosphere last year, it was of a heavyweight championship prize fight. I mean, there was the championship chase that was on everybody's mind. It was the penultimate race of the year. But this year, is it's not the case. It's just race number two. Teams are still trying to figure things out. So the atmosphere is definitely going to be different going into this weekend than last. And also watch for Max Verstappen a bit, because if you remember, and again, this was last year's car, but he had that killer lap in Q3. Remember that? And, he, and then he just kind of hit the wall and that came to an end, but he looked like he was going to be on pole position for that Grand Prix. So, now with the new car, let's see what he can do um, at the, on the street of Jeddah coming up uh, on Sunday. Number three, the third thing to watch for, and that's, of course, the two teams that we kind of buzzed about that were outside of the Ferrari domination, and that were Mercedes on one side and McLaren on the other. Now, both teams admittedly have a lot of work to do. There's no doubt about that. Now, even though Mercedes did limit the damage in Bahrain, there was a 3 4 finish behind the two ferraris they know they need to adjust some things and get some things worked out so that they can get back to top race pace their porpoising issue on the car that was concerning but christian horner thinks it'll only be a matter of time before they're on pace and up front again challenging red bull challenging ferrari even if toto wolf and the team downplays their chances but, you know mercedes does this all the time i don't know how we're going to win any races etc now some of their concerns are real some of it is a little bit of uh, you know down- playing expectations, but nevertheless, they know they have some work to do. We know they have some work to do. But I think Horner is right. I think it's just a matter of time, and within the next couple of races, Mercedes should have some of these issues figured out. I know there's a lot of people who think that this is going to be a long time before they figure out some of these issues, but I kind of lean towards Horner. I think there's a lot of smart people at Mercedes. These are real, real concerns, don't get me wrong, and it's not an overnight fix, but I do think Mercedes will have that car into the top of the race pace when we start going to other circuits in the early part of the calendar. Now, as as for McLaren, they didn't even have a good testing, let alone a good weekend. I mean, it has been since 2022 came about, they haven't been up to par. They finished near the bottom of the pack in the Grand Prix. Both Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo said all the right things afterwards. You know, they said, hey, look, it was tough to overtake in this car. They lacked some straight line speed, but in the end both were able to give the team a lot of data. They ran on all of the compound tires and so now they know that the team is going to be continuing to work on the, on the car, but they did admit that there are they are way, way, way away from any sort of podium chances that that team has. But look at them this weekend, right? Mercedes is going to make some changes, but they may probably won't be at the front of the field. McLaren may try to get even to the midfield out of the bottom. But let's see what both teams are, are doing. It's a short week. I get it. But let's see what both of these teams will do on the streets of Saudi Arabia. The fourth thing to watch for, and that's the Ferrari factor, because we knew Ferrari was very fast in testing. And they were fast in the Grand Prix, and it was a very, very impressive weekend for the Scuderia, finishing one-two. It was their first win as a team since the 2019 Singapore Grand Prix. It was the first win for Charles Leclerc since the 2019 Italian Grand Prix at Monza. Now the power unit problems appears to be over. They were just as fast as the Red Bulls, and they might have—and this is debatable—I get it—they might have the best driver combination on the grid. Although I am watching the Russell Hamilton pairing this season for Mercedes, but with Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc. They they might actually have the best driver combination out there. Jeddah, though, is a different circuit, and Red Bull isn't going anywhere. I mean, there's a lot more fat, high-speed corners at Jeddah than Secure. where it had a little bit more slow corners. All right, now it may take Mercedes, for example, more weekends, but they will eventually will be strong too. Right now, though, Ferrari is on the top of the sport, and for a lot of people, including myself, I'm very, very happy with that. But competition is going to be coming, and it's going to be coming strong. And the fifth thing was: Can Haas keep this thing going? It was everybody's feel-good story from the weekend in Bahrain. Haas getting back into the points. Kevin Magnussen finishing in the top five. It was their first points grab since the Eiffel Grand Prix in Germany in 2020, where Roman Grosjean finished ninth. Now, this finish came after an expectedly awful season in 2021. And I'm going to re-emphasize expectedly awful season for 2021. Yeah, remember, they had two rookie drivers. They weren't developing the car. They were putting all their resources into 2022. I mean, what in the world did they really expect? Well, they did expect to be pretty bad, and they were really, really, really bad. But it wasn't just Magnussen that had a good day. Mick Schumacher finished P11, and he could have run in the top 10. However, towards the end of that Grand Prix this weekend, he was on older tires. Haas, they've been waiting for 2022 and now they're off to a tremendous start. Let's see if they can keep that going. So just to recap the top five from the things to watch for in the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, the potential bounce back for Red Bull, the circuit itself, the track and the new cars and how they will run at that circuit, Mercedes and McLaren. I mean, one again finished 3-4, the other one finished in the back of the pack, but both have a lot of work to do. Ferrari is on top of the sport, the Ferrari factor going into Jeddah, and can Haas keep it going again? The feel-good story from Bahrain. All right, let's get to track talk. This is where we go over the circuit. We go over kind of the weekends. There's just some like little bits of information that we have for the Grand Prix. All right. This is the street circuit in Jeddah. Last year, it was described as insane when drivers first hit it. Uh, it runs 3.84 miles. The lap times, they're going to be the fastest on the calendar. It was last year. The length of this circuit puts it at the second longest of the year. It's right behind Spa. It runs along the shore of the Red Sea, so there's no real elevation changes, and it has 27 corners. That is four more than Singapore and six more than Abu Dhabi. Uh, There's like a Monaco feel with Monza speed. That's the way they described it last year. That's kind of what they're going with this year. And so we saw that there was some overtaking, but it was pretty tight. Jetta will be back on the calendar in 2023, but then there is a permanent course that is going to be in the country's capital. Pirelli for this Grand Prix using the same tires that they used last season. The mid-range, C2 for the hard, C3 for the mediums, C4 for the softs. And this is uh, 50 laps for the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. The average speed projected to be about 250 kilometers per hour. That is right behind Monza. And it also, once again, will be a night race. There'll be different temperatures when they're in FP1 and FP3. Uh, But FP2 on Saturday will be taking place as the sun is setting. But remember, this is also a different part of the calendar, right? This is now in the spring. Last year was late fall. Um, now, again, as for those 27 corners, the one that gets a lot of attention and got a lot of attention last year, turn 13, left-hander with banking, it'll bring in some serious G-forces. There are three DRS zones on this track, including down the final stretch. They widened the final turn a bit, so there's going to be a little bit more uh, as you're able to come off that turn or down turn down into the front stretch. I think the one DRS zone That will have a huge impact Is is the second one It'll run from turn 25 to 26 It's a slight left-handing sweep That uh, leads to a sharp turn That will get you into the final stretch uh, This is going to be tight racing With walls around the track Again, could create some problems Like it did last year We had two restarts Remember, two restarts Because of some crashes um, And But then the drivers Sort of calmed down a little bit And I, and I kind of thought We would see a little bit more After that But we, we really did not So again, there's a little bit more experience for a lot of these guys going back to this, so we'll see how much the safety car has to come out for Sunday's Grand Prix. Well, I'm really looking forward to it. I thought last year's race again was a bit messy. Uh, there was some controversy, but nevertheless I, I it it wasn't the greatest Grand Prix, but because of where it was on the calendar and what the ramifications were, everything was on eleven. you know everything was on uh, was high intensity so it's not going to be that way this weekend but i'm I'm interested to see how the teams and the drivers come back to Jeddah, knowing what they know about the circuit and of course in new machinery. But I'm interested in seeing how this differentiates between last year's running when it was the penultimate race of the season, rather now it's race number two of a 23-race calendar. All right, it is now time for top five and bottom five from the Bahrain Grand Prix. For those of you who are new to this podcast, we do top five and bottom five during our race previews. We don't do them uh, during the review segment of the podcast because there's a lot to unpack and we go over the team report card and everything. So, you know, you give it a couple of days to process and then you kind of come up with your top five and bottom five. And just a reminder, top five, bottom five is not necessarily drivers. It can be teams. It can be the circuit. It can be the FIA. It can be team principals. It's really anything that made an impact in the Grand Prix in a negative way or a very, very positive way. So that's how we do top five, bottom five. Now, mostly it'll be drivers. Don't get me wrong, but we will throw in some wrinkles. And we actually did for this one for the season opener. Uh, Bottom five, number five, Lando Norris. Um, I'm not going to really blame Lando here. He was in a bad car. The McLaren, it needs a lot of work. It was in the back of the pack. But I'm going to give Kim this because he is Lando Norris. He was in the bottom of the pack. His teammate was cover- overcoming from COVID and there's no such excuse for him. So Lando Norris leads off the bottom five. Although it really wasn't him. It was the car. The car's, the car's a mess and needs a lot of work. But the fourth one is Red Bull. That car was running in the top until the fuel pump issue derailed both Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez. Verstappen was complaining about some steering issues and... The fuel pump caused him to be out of the race. It's a devastating finish for Red Bull. They were going 2-4, and now uh, you know they go into the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix with zero points. Uh, so Red Bull has got to be in the bottom five because it ended up being a very disappointing weekend, even though their car really showed some fight to the front with Charles Leclerc. When everybody's buzzing about Ferrari, there was Max Verstappen ready to take that lead. But there were a couple of other reasons. It wasn't just the fuel pump issue. I don't know who gave the order to Max Verstappen not to go hard on the outlap to save the tires but as you probably heard during the Grand Prix he's never going to do that again he had an opportunity to catch Charles Leclerc on the undercut and both times came up just short Uh, number three on the bottom five is Lance Stroll Aston Martin didn't have a particularly good weekend either they didn't really test very well nothing was really expected from him but he was a lead finisher and his teammate was Nico Hulkenberg who was filling in for Sebastian Vettel and you know what do you really think Nico was going to do? The next one, uh, this will be fourth. Alex Albon of Williams. Uh, I didn't expect Williams to be a front runner like Haas. Or, you know, when when Haas really showed some testing speed. But remember, going into 2020, there was a lot of buzz about what Williams's approach was. They were putting some money into this, and they were trying to be a strong midfield team. They brought in Albon, you know, to fill in that seat for George Russell. And there was a different feeling around Williams than we've seen in, over the last couple of years so again, I didn't think they were going to be running in the top five or running in the top six or seven, but I thought that they would at least make a run towards the points. It was a difficult Grand Prix for them. And I'm putting Albon on this list rather than Latifi and rather on the team because Albon is in the chief car. That is the number one car for the team. So, Unfortunately, this is more of a team bottom five, but he's the face right now of the team. So Alex Albon is on the list. And the final one, and this goes beyond drivers and beyond teams, but it's got to be said, the COVID-19 virus is in the bottom five. It affected Daniel Ricciardo in that he couldn't test it affected Sebastian Vettel. He could not race. Those were two big factors and storylines going into the this, this season opener. Um, you talked about Ricardo. The reason Ricardo isn't an individual bottom five is that I'm going to give him a pass for having the virus and being out of testing. And I'm also putting it out there because even though I like Nico Hulkenberg said so in the preview, Sebastian Vettel did not get to race. He may not even race this weekend all because of the COVID-19 virus. And it did have a factor in, Bahrain, with those two drivers being affected by it, albeit one did compete, the other one did not. All right, now it's time to get into the top five. And we'll start five all the way to number one. Number five, Lewis Hamilton. It's a podium finish for a team that downplayed every single expectation going into the season opener. Hamilton was in it. He didn't run with the leaders, but it didn't matter. He did he benefit from the two Red Bulls getting knocked out of that race? Sure he did, but that's racing. Lewis Hamilton getting Mercedes on that podium, part of a three four finish for a team that again said over and over again, we are not going to be able to be competing for a win in this Grand Prix, well, they'll settle for one podium of Lewis Hamilton. So Lewis Hamilton and the way he kept that car near the front so that he could take advantage of opportunities that presented himself comes in at number five. Carlos Sainz is fourth. Sainz was fantastic. I mean, listen, this is again, I believe the best driver combo on the grid. Sainz at one point was challenging Verstappen for P2 off of the restart. When Leclerc was able to get a nice run off that final corner, it was Sainz who was fighting Verstappen for P2. He ends up in P2 when Verstappen was out of the race. But I'm going to give you, you cannot have a 1-2 finish without the 2 finish, and that's Carlos Sainz. This was a huge day for Ferrari, not because they won the race, but because the team as a whole got to be on top of the podium. And Carlos Sainz is the main reason for that. He is number 4 in the top 5, bottom 5. Number three on my list is Alfa Romeo's Zhou Guano, the Chinese rookie driver finishing in the top 10 in his first F1 race. We saw Yuki Tsunoda do that last year. And I also think that one of the reasons it should be in the top five is not only did he score points in his first ever Formula One race, but he was able to get points when Valtteri Bottas did the same, thus making Alfa Romeo a double point scorer for the Bahrain Grand Prix. He didn't get himself into any trouble. He didn't spin on the first lap like Nikita Mazepin did uh, last season. He held his own out there. Now, rookie growth is going to be coming. There's going to be plenty of Grand Prixs. Well, he'll make a mistake. He'll do something that he'll wish he didn't do and whatnot. It, It happens in this sport. It happens in all sports. That's what you talk about when you grow as an F1 driver. But we put Yuki Tsunoda in the top five after the season opener last year. And Zoguano is going to be in the top five after his rookie debut this year. And number two in the top five, and that's going to be Charles Leclerc. Ferrari was super fast in testing. They were super fast in the Grand Prix. He wins the race. First win for him since Monza of 2019. First win for the team, Singapore of 2019 with Sebastian Vettel. Crossed the finish line first. Uh, Great, great back and forth with Max Verstappen. So fun to watch those two battle it out. Remember in 2020, him and Max Verstappen uh, on the opening lap went into the wall at the Bahrain Grand Prix, but they had some great racing going on on Sunday. And normally, uh, Charles Leclerc, for a performance like this and a historic one, again, for the team, you know, ending a long drought, he would be number one. But I don't always give the winner of the race the top in the top five. I think a storyline or something that comes out of the Grand Prix that's a little bit more special has to be on top. And in this case, I'm going to give it to Kevin Magnuson. He was a lot of people, a lot of pundits, driver of the day. And of course, when you take a Haas and you put it in the top five of a Grand Prix, even if two Red Bulls of you or out of the race and you capitalize on that, you still got to honor the tremendous performance. This was, again, a great moment for Haas. We know they've been down on their luck. They've down, been down on the bottom. That Uh the, the team has gone, whether it was the 2020 fiery accident in Bahrain with Roman Grosjean, where we all held our breath wondering if he was going to come out alive and then fearing the worst and then hoping for the best uh to the 2021 season with two rookie drivers, always in last place, never competitive. And now we go into 2022. All of the hard work that they put into that car has paid off with a top five finish for Kevin Magnuson. You could see the joy on Gunther Steiner's face. It was well worth it. So yes, Charles Leclerc won the race. He was the fastest lap. He was the P1 in qualifying. All of those reasons he should be top of the top five. But the feel-good story of Kevin Magnuson returning to Formula One after he lost his ride to a rookie and was going to be doing other things until the call came to come back into Formula 1, and it paid off for him and Haas. So Kevin Magnussen is the top of our top five for the Bahrain Grand Prix. Alright, I want to end this podcast on a bit of news. that is coming down the wire as we are recording. It looks like Formula One will be racing in the streets of Las Vegas in 2023. It'll occur on Thanksgiving week, late November. Uh, it'll be run on the Las Vegas Strip. These are the early reports. This would be the third Grand Prix in the United States on that calendar year. Miami is going to be a new race this season, and then the Circuit of the Americas just resigned to keep extending their relationship with Formula One. So again, Liberty Media doing what it wanted to to do when it acquired this sport. They wanted to grow it in the United States. Drive to Survive certainly has done that. We've talked about that a number of times. And the fact that you can get the practice, the qualifying in the race on ESPN as they return to that network. As I have said many times in this podcast, it is the main reason that I started this. When I saw the interest here in the United States growing, I wanted to jump in on it as a talk show host for a national network based out of Houston, Texas. I talk about everything, but Formula One is so niche that I I don't really put it in my daily outline, so I wanted to use this podcast as a vehicle to talk about a sport I've been following for a long, long time and now starting to see the popularity grow, and this is just going to increase that um, as we start seeing the popularity in the United States. I know that there has been a lot of discussion about how much expansion of the schedule is, is good for the sport with cost-cutting and the wear and tear on these teams and the, the burnout effect that can happen, I mean, you, you watch these teams travel all over the world, there is just going to be a burnout factor that occurs, and whether or not you can do rotating crews and all of that, um, that's obviously going to have to come into play for these teams as the schedule you know, gets increased, and I, I don't know what the total will look like in 2023, but it's definitely not going to be less than. Uh, Las Vegas on this calendar for 2023. All right, that's going to do it for us. We will be back next week with a full review of the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix from Jeddah. Uh, Subscribe to the channel. Again, if you like what we're doing, we hope you leave us a five-star review. If you do, you can also follow me on Twitter at Radio. I post a lot of Formula One stuff on there. Uh, And we also have a Facebook page where you can uh, like that and uh, participate in the discussions that we have um, about the sport. Once again, I'm Tony Dazzuri. Thanks for listening. This is the Overtake Formula One podcast.